0: We're in Chapter 18 and we're right in the middle of this dramatic episode, one of the most dramatic episodes in the Bible, Eliyahu at Mount Carmel. And up to now we see that the prophets of the Baal have not been successful in bringing down the fire to consume their, uh, their sacrifice and they beseech the Baal all day long with some crazy customs that they have, gashing themselves dancing around, nothing's happening, and now it's Elijah's turn. So Elijah, in verse 30, the first thing he does is he brings the people over to his altar, because they were busy at the altar of the Baal prophets, and he brings them over to his altar, and it says he repaired the Mazbech Harus, the altar that had been torn down, the altar of the Lord. So we saw that, uh, the simple understanding that there was an altar there that it just through, through time had been there. Uh, destroyed and Eliyahu has to uh, renovate it. Or it could have been destroyed by the kings of Israel. There's an other possibility that the Malbim brings that it says in verse 26, a couple verses ago, that when the prophets of the Baal were uh, beseeching their God to bring down that uh, fire, one of the things they did is, that they were hopping on the altar that was made. So, Hopping on the altar that was made, we, we um, figure the most li- likely uh, understanding is that they were hopping on their own altar. But the Malbim says they were hopping and jumping and dancing and prancing on Elijah's altar, and that's why he had to fix it. That's why he had to repair it. So that's an interesting pshat. And of course, we saw the Midrashic interpretation that the altar that Elijah is renovating is the same altar that Shaul built, because it says King Saul... Um, came to Carmel, the same Carmel we're at now, and he set up a place, and that place, according to Chazal, was an altar, and this altar now is being fixed now, obviously a lot of time has passed, and uh, Eliyahu is now fixing the torn down altar, and of course, Rabbi Kahana gave a very beautiful shot of this Midrash, that the connection between Saul, Saul, and this generation, that they were both poseh al they were both dancing on two different opinions, as Elijah describes it. That on one hand they believed in the Baal, on the other hand they also believed a little in Hashem. And Saul as well, he had his own world view, and he had the view, and he had the commandment of the prophet, and they kind of collided with each other, and that's what caused him not to wipe out Amalek. And so he was also poseh al and that's the, uh, that's what. Uh, Eliyahu is trying to fix up, he's trying to repair that altar which represent this vacillating unto opinions. So it says now in verse Lamed Aleph, verse 31, So Yaakov took 12 stones, which correspond to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. And that's who Hashem said, Israel shall be your name. So. Elijah takes these 12 stones, and that's very symbolic of unity, that we know we have a split in the kingdom now, and the, the, um, the aspiration, of course, is to all the tribes to be together in Jerusalem, sacrificing not at Har Carmel, but at the Beit HaMikdash. And that might be symbolic of these 12 stones. Verse 32, And so he built these stones into an altar in the name of Hashem, and he made a ta'ala, which is like a trench, which was very, very big, as big as something that contained two seah of seed, around this altar. So that's a big, big trench, according to the Dat Mikra. We're talking about, about 100 by 50 cubits. Some say it's about the size of the entire courtyard, which the altar was in. That, that is a huge circumference here. They make this trench. And we'll see what they do with this trench in a minute. It says in verse 33, And they also arrange the wood. Well, it says he arranged the wood, not they. Obviously, Elijah has help here. You can't build a trench like that. You can't dig up a trench on your own. Obviously, he has some help. He has his Beninavim with him. He certainly has Elisha with him. And so it says they also set up the korban, the bull, by arranging the wood, cutting up the bull, and placing it upon the wood. And that's very similar to what the, um, the Baal prophets did. Exactly, uh, not very similar, but exactly the same procedure, which is the procedure for a korban olah, as out- outlined in the book of Ayikra. And he says in, ver- in uh, the next verse, 34, Vayomer, Milu al mayim, fill me four pitches of water, v'itzku ala olam, ala olah and pour it all over the burnt offerings and on the wood, So, four pitchers, uh, that could maybe mean the four mothers, the four matriarchs, who knows? Everything here is kind of symbolic, or maybe that's the amount of water it took to do the job. And they pour it over the ola and on the wood. They make everything really wet. And then it says, vayomashinu, do it again, and they do it again. Do it a third time. And they do it a third time. That means they're really pouring lots and lots of water on the uh, sacrifice to make things really, really uh, moist there. And that way, when the fire comes down, it'll be even that much more of a miracle. And some want to say that they filled it up four pitchers three different times. Again, that um, corresponds to the 12 tribes of Israel. So it says in verse 36... And it was when the evening sacrifice was offered we're, we're in the late afternoon. And eliyahu Navi came there, approaches the altar, and he said, He said, Hashem Abraham God of Abraham, Yitzhak and Israel. Again, invoking avot. B'Schut hoping that by praying that will bring fire from the from the heavens. And, he, and Eliyahu says, Hayom Today it will be known that you are God be Israel, in Israel. Vani and I am your servant. Udivarcha et kol And it was in, at your word that I have done all these things. So verse 36 is... An important verse because this is the verse where the commentators, the Parshanim in the Tanakh, the Midrashot Davi, the Rambam, the Ralbag, um, the Radak, they kind of chime in on that subject we've been talking about. If Elijah did all this on his own, did he just decide to go to Har Carmel on his own uh, volition and? To have this showdown? Or was he getting an explicit command to perform the sacrifice at Har Carmel? We don't see Hashem asking him to do it, but it's kind of strange that he would do it on his own. And many commentators, and, and it's already, it's also talked about a little in the Gomorrah, that Eliyahu did it on his own, because it says in Masechet Brachot, that Eliyahu devrim klape mala, that Eliyahu forced Hashem's hand uh, at Har Carmel. Just like Chana did comparing him to Chana's prayer uh, at the beginning of the book of Samuel, that, they were, uh, that he forced Shem's hand, a very aggressive kind of prayer. So that means that Elijah did it on his own, uh, but this verse, verse 36, seems to indicate something else, that Eliyahu was saying, I've done everything on your command. That seems to what 36 is saying. It says, et it was your word that I am doing this. So again, it's kind of, could go either way. Um, if Elijah's the one initiating the famine and the Har Carmel contest, or is he going by Hashem's command? Let's go to now verse 37. Aneni Hashem Aneni. So Elijah says, answer me, God. Answer me. And why does it twice? Well, certainly there's an emphasis and you can see the feeling in the prayer that he says it twice. It's, Lashon or a, a certain kind of a zealousness to say it twice. So, but some say he said, Aneni Hashem Why is it twice? Aneni, the first Aneni, is bringing down the fire. And the second Aneni is that when the fire comes down, please don't let it be that the Jewish people will think it's because of some kind of hocus pocus witchcraft that happened here, but they really realize that it was from you. am And so the people shall know. That you are the Lord God, and you turn their hearts backwards. Now, that's a tough verse. The end of verse 37, where Elijah says, You have turned their hearts backward. There's lots and lots of commentary on that. I'm not going to go through them all. I'll just give two ideas here that Elijah is saying. Hashem, you gave him the Yetzirah, you gave him that evil inclination. So when they're going off the derech, when they're sinning, you're responsible for it. That's one explanation. And the Dat Frim, the Perush of the Dat Frim, which is a fantastic commentary, if you can read it. He says that Elijah is saying to Hashem that because you decreed the split in the kingdom, it's not the Am Yisrael's fault. And that cut them off from Jerusalem and the temple, and that's why they're going off the derech, and therefore Hashem, have mercy on them, and bring that fire down. So it says in verse 38, and the fire of the Lord fell, and it consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the water, which was in the trench, it just licked it all up. That is, all that water that they poured in that trench, And they poured all over the place. That was to medil the nest. That was to make the nest even more magnified. And that's why he poured all that water all over the place, in the trenches and on the altar. And everything was so wet and flooded that when that fire came down and left nothing, not even a little bit of moisture, the heat was that intense, the miracle was just that more magnified. And that's what Eliyahu was trying to do. Verse 39, And all the people saw it, And they fell on their faces, And they said, Hashem, Hashem, elokim? God, uh, Lord is God, the Lord is God. And that's what Jews say on Yom Kippur. We say it seven times, only once a year. And it comes from here, where the Jewish people recognize now there is no more skipping on two branches or vacillating over two opinions. Now, at this point, they realize, Hashem, He is the true God. Vayomer Eliyahu lahem. And Elijah said to them, Tifsuet Seize those prophets of the Baal. Ish al Don't let them get away. And they were captured. Vayeridem. And they brought him down. Uh, 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 Eliyahu brought him down. el Nachal Kishon. As if Eliyahu himself did it brought him down to Nachal Kishon, to the Kishon Brook, and they shechted him. They slaughtered 450 prophets of the Baal, and that's pretty amazing, also kind of dangerous with Ezebel around, Jezebel, but very similar, by the way, to what happened after the Cheta Egel, the golden calf sin, that Moshe came down, and they got, he got the Shevet Levi, the tribe of Levi, to just kill all those idol worshippers. And here they come down and Eliyahu is taking advantage of the momentum here and they slay the Nevi'er Baal. And now Elijah says the following in Mem Aleph, verse 41. Now at this point, Elijah, it's very important now to bring the rain, to have the full effect of this miracle. And again, we got the momentum now. You got to have rain now, and it's got to look really miraculous. So so Elijah says to Ahav, go up and eat and drink. And we learned from this that uh, Ahav, King Ahab, was fasting. He was fasting. Um, and so he says, so you can eat now. And he says, because you know what? You're going to... There's a, um, there's a rumbling sound of the rain. That is, Elijah saying, any minute now the rain is going to come. Now, the fact is, there's not a cloud in the sky, but Eliyahu is confident that the rain is going to come and he tells Elijah, go up. By go up, someone is saying that is, go up on your chariot. Go up on your chariot and start eating because the rain is coming down. And what's also interesting is Elijah is giving out orders here. He's like, p'kuda. he's giving out commandments here and it shows that um, Ahav is very obedient that he is, he respects very much Elijah the prophet and he and he does exactly what Elijah says here and you know Ahav is not a uh, a pansy at all, he's no nobody's uh, tool, and yet he understands that Elijah is the man right now, and um it says in verse membet, So he goes up to eat, velishtot, and to drink. And what does Elijah do? He goes up to the top of the Carmel mountain, and he put his, uh, he crouched to the ground, Ben and he put his head between his knees. Now that's some kind of position now. He puts himself in a very, very uh, non-Orthodox position, kind of like yoga, crouching on the ground and putting his head between his knees, and... Well, according to the Ralbag, he was just having such tremendous concentration in prayer now because he wants to bring the rain so badly, and his humility of this position to be in that position, and this comfort of the position. According to the Ralbag, he put himself in such an uncomfortable position, crouching on the ground and putting his te- head between his knees, that it, by doing so he would hope to arouse Hashem's mercy and and. Bring that rain as fast as possible so he doesn't have to remain in this very, very uncomfortable position. But what's interesting is that, according to the Abarbanel, he was in a, a situation of meditation. The Abarbanel says on this verse that he was doing dut. Now, dut doesn't always mean meditation, but in this case, we're talking meditation. And as a matter of fact, Arya Kaplan, of blessed memory, uh, Arya Kaplan wrote a couple books about Jewish meditation, because Ari Kaplan says that it's a very, very Jewish discipline. It's not uh, something that was started by the uh, Buddhists or the in India. Something like that. And it really comes from the Bible. And he has a book, uh, Meditation and the Bible. And one of the examples he gives of meditation that was in the Bible is this uh, story here where El- Elijah is in this position, crouching with his head between his knees. And it says in verse Memgimel, Vayomer Elenar, he said to his servant... Alena, go up. Derech Yam. Please go up and look towards the sea. That is, Eliyahu is on Har Carmel. He's pretty up on the top, but he wants his, his uh, servant to go even higher up so he can have a good look, a tatspit, a nice lookout. And I want you to check out the sea. Vayal Vayabet. And he went up and he looked. Dinar. Vayomer ain. And he said to Elijah, but there's nothing there. Ein mu'mah. There's nothing. Vayomer Shuv. Well, go up again, Elijah said. Sheva Pamim. So he kept coming down and going up. Seven times he came down to Elijah. I don't see anything. Elijah goes, go look again. That happened seven times. And all this time, Elijah is in this meditative state. So now it says in verse 44 uh, Vayiba But it was the seventh time that he went up there. Vayomer Hine I see a small cloud. An av is usually the, a cloud with rain in it. So he says, I see this small cloud, kekaf ish. It's about the size of a man's palm, ole and it's rising from the sea. This little cloud, vayomer ale. So he said, go up, emor and tell achav. Obviously, achav was breaking his fast on a higher place than. Um, Elijah was sitting because he says to go up and go tell Achav Esor Vered go hitch up your horses and descend V'lo Ya'adzarcha Ha'geshem so that the rain won't delay you that is Elijah is so convinced now the rain's coming and a big storm is coming that he tells his servant to tell uh, Achav, King Ahab get any. Get on your chariot and start going down the mountain because the rain's going to come and the flooding is going to be huge. And if you don't do it really quick, you'll you won't be able to uh, move because it's kind of like the Dead Sea. You know, if you go in Israel, the Dead Sea is on that road. When there's floods and there's a lot of rain, you can't even go on that road. It becomes very dangerous. So he's telling Achav to get moving on the chariot. Verse forty-five. Vaiyad kovad kov. And it was just a little bit later. hit Kadru. That the heavens grew dark, a and there were clouds and wind, Geshem gadol and gadol, and then there was a heavy rain. and Achav rode and went to Israel, and that's in the north of Israel. That apparently Achav, besides having his palace in the Shomron in Samaria, he also had a place in Israel, and um, he's going to go back there to Israel. You know. Jezebel, she wants a first-hand account of what happened, right? So, you know, he's going back to Israel. And it says in verse 46, and this is how we end the chapter, "Vayara Hashem Eliyahu. And a spirit of strength um, from the Lord was with Elijah. And he girded his loins, Achav Ad And he ran before Ahab, until coming to Yisrael. That is, he escorted, he actually escorts King Ahab on his chariot. And that's incredible miracle. We're talking over 20 kilometers from Har Carmel to Yisraela. Elijah the prophet is running before Ahab. So that's pretty amazing, another amazing miracle. And interesting that the Mamluwes brings a lot of sources here of the concept of Kavod L'malchut, Rashi brings it down, that he was showing Kavod Malchut. There's there's in Inyan, there's a matter of having respect for the king. And we see uh, examples of that, where um, even Moshe, when he came to Paro, there's some verses where he shows Lachlok Kavod L'malchut. He expresses a Kavod, honor for the kingdom, and Yosef did it to Paro. And there's other examples. And it says Rabbi Yochanan, that you should always run before the kings of Israel. Not just the kings of Israel, even in front of Goyish kings. And that way, you'll know what it's like when you see the Mashiach, who's also a king. You'll kind of be used to it. And so, so we, we see that Elijah is giving covered to King Achav. But you have to remember, King Achav is doing some good things here. He's just slaughtered under his command 450 false prophets of the Baal. And he was the one who put together this whole Carmel. So surely Elijah will encourage him for that. He's not dancing before him when he does bad things or doing idol worship. But here, certainly, he wants to encourage and be a good influence on Achav. We see that he is easily influenced Achav. Or by his wife, or by Elijah, and certainly we do. There is a concept of showing kavod to the malchut, because Hashem has given the king, even a goyish king, a certain amount of authority, a certain amount of koach in his hands. He is a certain shaliach of Hashem in the world, and therefore there is a matter of showing malchut. But that doesn't mean you don't punish him. That with all the kavod we show, Paro, that Moshe uh, gives to Paro, in the end Paro gets those makot anyway. He gets the plagues. Uh, In any case, he gets the punishment. So you have to always have that balance. And that's how we end this epic chapter of Eliau on Har Carmel. Let's see what happens now when Jezebel gets word of what went down.